Good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. <coughs> Today's October, uh, excuse me, January the 30th. 30th day of the new year. 335 days remain to the year's over with. And then we do it all over again. Um, holidays and observances that you all ask me to list every day. National Croissant Day. National Escape Day. Escape with some croissants. Two for one. National Plan for Vacation Day. National Draw a Dinosaur Day. National Inane Answering Message Day. Yodel for Your Neighbors Day. School Day of Nonviolence and Peace. Yeah, right. Snow Sculpting Day. Birth dates, Franklin Roosevelt, Christian Bale, Dick Cheney, Gene Hackman, and Vilmer Valderrama. <coughs> Veganary Month, Thyroid Awareness Month, National Slow Cooking Month, Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, Bread Machine Baking Month, National Skating Month, January, Dry January, National Blood Donor Month, Manuary, International Brain Teaser Month, National Clean Up Your Computer Month, National Soup Month, Get Organized Month, International Creativity Month, Celebration of Life Month, National Oatmeal Month, National Be Kind to Food Servers Month, National Hot Tea Month, National Birth Defects Awareness Month, Get a Balanced Life Month, and National Hobby Month. All that having been said... In 1018, Poland and the Holy Roman Empire conclude the Peace of Baltzen. 1287, King Raru founds the Hanthawadi Kingdom and proclaims independence from the Pagan Kingdom. 1607, an estimated 200 square miles along the coast of the Bristol Channel and Severnestra in England are destroyed by massive flooding. 2,000 people died. 1648, Eighty Years' War, Treaty of Munster and Osnabrück is um, signed, ending the conflict between the Netherlands and Spain. Uh, 1649, Charles I of England is executed in Whitehall, London. 1661, Oliver Cromwell, the Lord Protector of the Commonwealth of England, is ritually executed more than two years after his death. On the 12th anniversary of the execution of the monarch, he himself deposed. 1667, the truth of the truce of Andrusovo is signed, ending the Russian-Polish War of 1654. 1703, the 47 Ronin, under the command of Oishi Karahusuki, avenged the death of her master by killing Kira Yoshinaka. 1789, Taisan forces... Uh, Emerge victorious against the king armies and liberate the capital, Tang Long. 1806, the original Lower Trenton Bridge, also called the Trenton Makes the World Takes Bridge, uh, which spans the Delaware River between Morrisville, Pennsylvania, and Trenton, New Jersey, is opened. 1820, Edward uh, Bransfield 
cites the Trinity Peninsula and claims the discovery of Antarctica. 1826, the uh, Menai Suspension Bridge, considered the world's first modern suspension bridge, connecting the Isle of Anglesey to the northwest coast of Wales, is opened. 1835, in the first assassination attempt against the President of the United States, Richard Lawrence attempts to shoot President Andrew Jackson. But he fails and is set upon as beaten and subdued by a crowd, including several congressmen as well as Jackson himself. 1847, Yerba Buena, California, is renamed uh, San Francisco, California. And if they could see it now. When I was there, oh, 30 years ago, there were people sleeping in doorways. 1858, the first Holly concert is given in Manchester, England, marking the official founding of the Holly Orchestra as a full-time professional orchestra. 1862, the first American ironclad to worship the USS Monitor is launched on this date. 1889, Archduke Crown Prince Rudolf of Austria, heir to the Austria-Hungarian crown, is found dead with his mistress, Baroness Mary Vissera, in the uh, Maryland. 1902, the first Anglo-Japanese alliance is signed in London. 1908, Indian pacifist and leader Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi is released from prison by Jansi Smuts after being tried and sentenced to two months in jail earlier that month. 1911, a destroyer USS Terry makes the first airplane rescue at sea, saving the life of Douglas McCurdy, 10 miles from Havana, Cuba. 1920, Japanese car maker Mazda is founded initially as a cork-producing company. 1925, the government of Turkey expels uh, Patriarch Constantine VI from Istanbul. The um, He was the ecumenical Patriarch of Constantinople, served as a locum tenens following the death of uh, Patriarch uh, Gregory VII in 1924. Exiled to Greece by the Turkish government and resigned the patriarch uh, a few months later. Can't be a patriarch if you got nobody to be a patriarch over. 1930, the Politburo of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union orders the confiscation of lands belonging to the Kulaks in a campaign of dekulakization, resulting in the execution and forced deportations of millions of people. 1933, Adolf Hitler's rise to power. Hitler takes office as a chancellor of Germany on this date. 1939, during a speech at the Reichstag, Hitler makes a prediction about the end of the Jewish race in Europe if another world war were to occur. 1942, World War II. Japanese forces invade the island of Ambon in the Dutch East Indies. Some 300 captured Allied troops are killed after the surrender. One quarter of the remaining POWs remain alive at the end of the war. 1944, World War II, the Battle of Cisterna, part of the Operation Shingle, begins in central Italy. Operation Shingle was a... Included the Battle of Anzio. Ended with the capture of Rome. Operation was opposed by German and Italian Republica Social Italiana 
forces in the area of Anzio and Natuno. Uh, Major General John Lucas of the U.S. Army commanded the operation. Um, he had the intent to outflank German forces at the winter line, and which would allow him to attack Rome itself. 1945, World War II, the Wilhelm Gustav, overfilled with German refugees, sinks in the Baltic Sea after being torpedoed by a Soviet submarine. 9,500 people died. Uh, 1945, World War II, raided at uh, Cabanatuan. 126 American Rangers and Filipino resistance fighters liberate uh, over 500 Allied prisoners from the Japanese-controlled uh, Cabanatuan POW camp. 1948, British South American Airways Tudor Four Star Tiger vanishes over the Bermuda Triangle. 1948, following the assassination of Mahatma Gandhi in his home compound, India's Prime Minister uh, Nehru broadcast to the nation saying the light has gone out of our lives. Uh, the day the assassination becomes observed is Martyrs Day in India. 1956, in the U.S., civil rights movement leader Martin Luther King Jr.'s home is bombed in retaliation for the Montgomery bus boycott. 1959, the forces of the Sultanate of Muscat occupy the last strongholds that emanate of Oman, Saik, and Shirahaz, marking the end of uh, Jebel Akdawar in Oman. 1959, M.S. Hans Hebdolt, Specifically designed to operate an icebound sea, strikes an iceberg on her maiden voyage and sinks. Killed all 95 people on board. 1960, the African National Party is founded in Chad through the merger of traditionalist parties. 1964, in a bloodless coup, General Nguyen Khan overthrows General Duong Van Minh's military junta in South Vietnam, uh, South Vietnam, yeah. 1968, Vietnam War, the Tet Offensive launched by forces of the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese Army against South Vietnam, the U.S., and their allies. 1969, the Beatles' last public performance on the roof of Apple Records in London. Uh, this impromptu concert was broken up by the police. Um, kind of... Um, Reactionary on their part. 1972, the Troubles. Bloody Sunday. British paratroops uh, opened fire on anti-internment marchers in Derry, Northern Ireland. Killed 13. Another person later dies from injuries. 1972, Pakistan leaves the Commonwealth of Nations in protest of its recognition of breakaway Bangladesh. 1974, Pan Am Flight 806 crashes near Pago Pago International Airport in American Samoa. Killed 97 people. 1975, the Monitor National Marine Sanctuary is established as the first United States uh, National Marine Sanctuary. 1975, Turkish Airlines Flight 345 crashes into the Sea of Marmara near uh, Istanbul. Yasukoya Airport killed 42. 1979, a Vering Boeing 707-323C uh, freighter, known by the, flown by the same commander as Flight 820, 
disappears over the Pacific Ocean 30 minutes after taking off from Tokyo. 1982, Richard Skrinta writes the first PC virus code, which is 400 lines long and disguised as an Apple boot program, boot program called Elk Cloner. 1989, the American Embassy in Kabul and Afghanistan is closed. 1995, hydroxycarbamide becomes the first approved preventative treatment for sickle cell disease. 2000, Kenya Airways Flight 431 crashes into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of the Ivory Coast. Killed 169 people. 2006, the Galetta Postal Facility shootings occur. Seven people were killed before the perpetrator took her own life. 2013, Neuro One becomes the first carrier rocket launched by South Korea. And in 2020, the World Health Organization declares COVID-19 pandemic to be a public health emergency of international concern. Golly gee whiz, you think? Well, you know, there have been uh, quite a number of... um, Investigations going on. A new one was just open. Investigating squad member Corey Bush with the alleged misuse of government funds intended to pay for her security. Um, it's related to allegations of federal security money being spent improperly. Well, it, um, you know, this squad has upset a whole lot of people. And uh, Omar said yesterday that as far as she's concerned, it's Somalia first, screw America. So we'll see how all that plays out. Now, we've been talking about ghosts and other kind of mysteries. Let's talk about some of the secret places in the world. We're going to start out with uh, stone constructs in the Scottish Highlands. Scotland's the most famous set of cairns, and it's mystified the scientific world. Belnurarana clava, properly known as a clava cairns, is an arrangement of three well-preserved stone structures. A cairn is a human-made pile or stack of stones that's erected as a burial monument, a landmark, a defensive fortification, or even an astronomical uh, marker. Site of uh, Clavel Cairns, located about six miles east of Inverness in the Scottish Highlands, dates to the Neolithic period, about uh, 2500 BC. That's about 4,500 years ago. Each of these three circular cairns is roughly 50 feet in diameter. Two of the three, the Northwest Cairn and the Southwest Cairn, are passage graves. Hills of stone stacked about 10 feet high with a narrow corridor. Uh, leading to a circular center. Third structure, the central cairn, is a ring cairn. It's a circle of stones. It surrounds a, a circular space on the inside. Uh, slender standing stones encircle each cairn. So a lot of effort was put into making them. The question is why? <coughs> Excavations at the site began in 1828 and conducted periodically until the 1990s. Researchers believe the site was in uh, continual use for more than a thousand years. And then it was used intermittently until the mid-8th uh, century A.D. Traditional thinking claims that the site was likely used either as a burial ground or a celestial marker. 
because the two passage graves align with the winter solstice. You know, digs have uncovered a limited number of human bone fragments, including Clavicairn, uh, indicating Clavicairns was not a cemetery for the masses, but maybe a burial ground for just a few influential members of a nearby community. The elite, as it were. Regarding the site's use as a celestial marker in the 1940s, Scottish engineer Alexander Thorne, an expert on stone circles, the, um, showed that the uh, entranceways of the passage grades in line directly and in correspondence with the standing stones, and they point to the winter sun's setting position. Um, at that moment, the sun's rays shine directly into the chamber of the passage grace and focus on the back wall. I'd be asking, why? The Cairn, uh, Clive of Cairns are part of a group of about 50 similar cairns located in Inverness region. And from Scotland, let's turn our attention to China, the Forbidden City, home to, uh, two dozen emperors, uh, Sijin Cheng, the Forbidden City, is a dazzling showcase of uh, ancient Chinese culture dating back 600 years. Uh, from 1416 to 1911, the Forbidden City in Beijing served as the royal home of 24 Chinese emperors. That's a testimony to Chinese civilization and the culture during the heights of the fabled Ming and Qing dynasties. Named the Forbidden City because only the emperor and his family, servants, and the highest officials could use the complex. It was the political and ritual center of China. Um, and during its long history, the site was under continual renovation. Uh, construction on the city began in 1406 by the Ming Emperor Zhu Di, who after seizing power in a coup d'etat, decided to move the imperial capital city from Nanjing to in southeastern China to Beijing in the north. To accomplish a relocation, nearly a million workers were marshaled to clear land, quarry rock, move equipment and supplies over the, the distance. Construction lasted until 1420. In its present configuration, the Forbidden City consists of about... Uh, 980 buildings, including nearly 10,000 rooms and antechambers, spread across a um, nearly 10, um, an area of 180 acres, more than two and a half times the size of the Kremlin in Russia. And all the buildings are made of wood, mainly colored bright red or yellow. Dozens of hastily designed palaces and ceremony and religious sites, courtyards, terraces, and stairways are scattered throughout the city. A 32-foot-high wall and a 165-foot-wide moat surround the entire complex. The names of the various architectural elements within the complex uh, literally imbue the Forbidden City with magical and mystical qualities. Palace of Heavenly Purity served as the Emperor's audience hall during the Qing Dynasty and as the emperor's residence during the Ming Dynasty. The Hall of Supreme Harmony served as the site of the emperor's uh, enthronements and wedding ceremonies. And it's believed each structure in the compound was designed according to the uh, treatise on architectural methods or state building standards. It's an 11th century handbook that uh, established standards for construction materials and 
specifications for woodworking and painting and moat construction. Within the Forbidden City is the Palace Museum, a national museum that features more than one million works of Chinese art, including ceramics, bronze, enamel objects, paintings, and a whole lot more. <coughs> then we've got, in Greece, the Parthenon, one of the world's most iconic and copied feats of engineering. It's finally revealed the secrets of its construction. For 25 centuries, the building ever built has sat proudly atop the Athenian Acropolis. Rocked by earthquakes, set ablaze and looted, this sacred site's dedicated to the goddess Athena, guardian of ancient Athens. Whole secret researchers are just now beginning to unlock. The Parthenon is built in about eight or nine years ending in about uh, 438 B.C. But you have to wonder how such a massive marble structure with a base of 23,000 square feet, 46 columns, and a 525-foot frieze made uh, scores of life-sized human figures could have been built in such a short time. Researchers believe the Athenians likely used pulleys and wooden cranes to transport and lift the enormous marble blocks used in the building's construction. You know, to the naked eye, the Parthenon appears to be geometrically straight. But on close observation, there's hardly a straight line in the place. And parts of the building, especially the subtly bulging centers of the columns, are intentionally curved. Researchers believe the masons built in these uh, slight curves to correct the visual distortion that uh, naturally occurs when the human eye gazes upon such a large object from a distance. Project to restore the Parthenon funded by the Greek government and the European Union and started in 1983, is predicted to finish about 2025. Assuming the money holds out, we don't have another major war. Well, from the Parthenon, let's go to the forgotten city of Nanmadal. You know, butting the coast of a remote Micronesian island like the ruins and maybe the most incredibly engineered marvel of the ancient world the city of Nanmadal, the only ancient city built entirely atop a coral reef. But despite the massive scale of the construction project, 92 artificial islands spread over 200 acres of shoreline, no records exist documenting exactly when or how Nanmadal was built or why the arduous task of building on coral rock was undertaken in the first place. The island, Pompeii, roughly 130 square miles in areas located nearly 5,600 miles off the coast of California in the Pacific Ocean. First human activity on the island dates back to the 1st or 2nd century B.C. While the earliest settlers arriving from the Solomon Islands or the uh, Vanuatu archipelago to the south, construction on the, the series of artificial uh, islets uh, began about the 8th or 9th century A.D., with most of it happening in the 12th and 13th centuries during the reign of the uh, Sotalur dynasty. Under the Sotalur, Nanmadal was the political, social, and religious center of the island. Now, the foundations of the islet uh, was made of large basalt boulders up to 20 feet long, brought from the other side of Pompeii. Researchers have identified several possible quarry sites, but they're 
They're unable to determine exactly how these heavy stones were transported to the building sites. Local legend claimed the huge stones were sent there by magic. Historians suggest the rocks may have been carried on rafts to the site, but uh, they don't know how the stones were uh, sunk into the water and, and erected on the coral reef, especially since the builders worked it without the benefit of pulleys or levels, levers. The black level rock was also used to build the walls of the 130 structures, some as high as 45 feet and up to 15 feet thick, which include uh, dwellings and temples, administrative buildings, workshops, and a large royal mortuary. One cornerstone of the mortuary raised roughly 50 tons. Total weight of all the rocks moved and in place is estimated at uh, 826,500 tons. That's a lot of rock, folks. No concrete or other binding agent was used in the city's construction. The stones were carefully cut and placed on each other as a, in a crisscross pattern. Of course, that does bring into question how all this was even remotely possible in that era there were a number of unbelievable um, constructions going on how did they do it what civilization did it we don't know well from that Madal, let's go to the legendary ancient greek city of uh, troy um now, the question's always been, was the legendary ancient Greek city the factual basis for Homer's Iliad? Was there really a Trojan War? Or is the whole thing a fairy tale? You know, the story of the legendary city of Troy in ancient Greece first appeared in Homer's Iliad, written in the mid-8th century B.C. In his well-known saga, Homer describes a long, bloody war, now known as the Trojan War, fought between the Greeks and the Trojans. About 500 years before his time, the Greeks triumphed by hiding inside the colossal Trojan horse to gain interest to the walled city and ultimately overrunning their foes. But did Troy really exist? And was there a great war really fought, or was Homer's account purely the product of his fertile imagination? Well, excavations at the locale where Homer placed Troy in present-day northwestern Turkey revealed the site is actually a series of ancient cities each built on top of the last one. One of the layered cities, which ties into the date of Homer's account, bears remarkable similarity to Homer's descriptions, and there's strong evidence that the city was destroyed by war. Well, based on these findings, modern scholars are generally convinced Troy is, or was, a historical fact. Some researchers believe Homer heard tales of centuries past during his lifetime and recounted them, roughly, in the Iliad. To date, however, there's no concrete proof of a specific Trojan War in the literature of any ancient civilization. And certainly, it'd be nice to find the, uh, the remnants of the Trojan horse, but uh, <coughs> I really doubt that's going to happen. Well, from Troy, let's turn to Egypt, the curse of Tutankhamun. You know, the trail of disturbing tragedies plagues the lives of everybody associated with the discovery of Tut's tomb in the Egyptian Valley of the Kings. A hieroglyphic inscription over the entrance to the tomb of Egyptian's fabled boy pharaoh, Tutankhamun, uh, is said to have read, Death will come on swift wings to whoever touches the tomb of pharaoh. But English archaeologist Howard Carter and his financial backer, Lord Carnarvon, were undaunted by the cryptid warning. 
November 26, 1922, they opened the door to the ancient ruler's tomb. In doing so, the two men made the greatest find in the history of archaeology and unfortunately possibly unleashed the mysterious 3,200-year-old curse. Tutankhamun's nearly intact final resting place revealed a treasure trove of artifacts that included uh, furniture, gold statues, the royal chariot, weapons, jewel-encrusted pendants. Excavating and cataloging the finds continued for many weeks until the spring of 1923. That was the time when a string of inexplicable disasters struck the digging party. March 6th, 1923, Lord Cardamon was bitten on the cheek by a mosquito. Now, a lot of folks have been bitten by mosquitoes, but they didn't die from it. But he began running a high fever, which turned into pneumonia. Newspaper writers speculated that a protective curse on the pharaoh's tomb was responsible for the Lord's uh, illness. Public fears peaked when Carnivan died on the night of April 5th. After his death, the curse spread, resulting in a number of calamities. Arthur Mace, an American archaeologist on the Tut Dig, fell into a coma and died shortly after Carnivan. No reason for the, him falling into a coma. George J. Gould, millionaire American antiquities collector and son of the famous financier, died days after visiting the tomb. British radiologist Archibald Douglas Reed, who actually took Dick Ahmed's tomb, died on his return to England in 1924. Professor Georges Benedict, uh, director of Egyptian antiquities at the Louvre Museum in Paris, fell while visiting the tomb, contracted pneumonia, and died in Luxor, Egypt in 1926. Well, by 1929, 22 people involved in the Tutankhamun excavation had died unexpectedly, including an attendant in the British Museum who collapsed and died while handling objects from the tomb. For a lot of folks, even today, the curse of the boy king's tomb remains more than just an alarming coincidence. Remember what uh, James Bond said, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action, and a lot more than three people have died. Uh, in relation to uh, King Tut's curse. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about the Guardian of Giza. The man-lion statue of ancient Egypt remains the world's most quintessential enigma. On the Giza Plaza, Plateau on the west bank of Egypt's Nile River sits the Great Sphinx, largest carving of the ancient world that's still in existence. World-renowned sculpture resides a short distance from three pyramids that serve as tombs for Egyptian pharaohs. The Great Pyramid of Khufu, the Pyramid of Khafre, and the Pyramid of Menkare. Measuring 238 feet in length and 60 feet from its base to the top of its head, the Great Sphinx was carved from the area's limestone to face the rising sun. Amazingly, not a single mention of the statue's construction has ever been found in anything in Egypt that's been unearthed thus far. Beside these few known details, though, archaeologists, Egyptologists, and scholars have been hounded by speculation as to the age, origin, and function of this enigmatic sculpture. Many historians believe the Sphinx was built during the reign of Pharaoh Khafre, also known as Sephron, about 2540 B.C., it said Khafre had his face carved onto the body of a lion at roughly the same time as nearby pyramid was being constructed. In 1990, Boston University geologist Robert Schalk challenged this commonly held view by claiming erosion on the Sphinx could only have been the result 
of rainfall and water runoff. And that would date the Sphinx to an era of heavier rainfall than uh, than recent millennia, anywhere from 5,000 to 9,000 B.C. Skeptics, of course, dismissed the claim, noting similar patterns of water erosion have not been found on the other monuments at Giza. Other hypotheses surround the mysterious monuments. Some say the Sphinx was originally the statue of a uh, jackal dog god, Anubis, and the face was recarved in the likeness of Pharaoh Amenhotep. Uh, Amenhotep the second. Some writers claim the statue served as a tomb. Others, it uh, possesses supernatural powers. It's also said somewhere between its paws is an entrance to an underground uh, chamber that has all the secrets of the ages. Whatever its origin and function, the Great Sphinx has stirred the imagination of everyone who's seen it. Let's talk about. Uh, the most prolific builder of the ancient world, Ramses II, also known as Ramses the Great, arguably the greatest pharaoh of ancient Egypt, ascended the throne upon the death of his father, Seti I, in 1279 B.C., ruled Egypt for 66 years, second longest reign in Egyptian history. He died at about the age of 90. Lutib had more than 200 wives. Good Lord. And concubines and father more than a hundred children, he enjoyed a stable and prosperous reign. Secured his nation's borders against Egypt's enemies, most notably the Hittites, and vastly increased Egypt's wealth. The great Ramses' uh, most enduring legacy is his unmatched record as the builder of more monuments, temples, and colossal statues than any other Egyptian ruler. He completed the construction of the temple at Karnak and built the new capital at uh, P. Ramses, the mortuary temple. Ramesseum, and uh, temples at Abu Simbel and other notable projects. Most historians believe at least one inspiration for Ramni's building passion was Nefertari, his uh, first wife and most cherished queen. King had her name and likeness inscribed on temple walls and ordered countless statues of her to be built, even long after her death, when he had taken other wives. In fact, the tomb he built for her in Thebes is one of the most magnificent uh, in all of ancient Egypt. Apparently, the man had the hots for her. No question about that. Well, from Egypt, let's go to Africa. Talk about the greatest stone monument on the African continent. It continues to intrigue scholars even today. In his 1552 book, Tiesia, Portuguese historian, Joao de Barros described a complex in Safala, a port in present-day Mozambique, as a square fortress, masonry within and without, built of stones of marvelous size. That fortress lay at the heart of gold-mining country, according to de Barros. For centuries afterwards, Arab and European explorers assumed the site was the biblical Ophir, the mines from which King Solomon of Israel obtained his vast gold treasures. 1871, the German explorer Karl Mox, on a quest to find the fabled site of Ophir, went deep into the present-day southern Zimbabwe, west of Safada. He discovered a large expanse of granite stone ruins, some with walls as high as 32 feet. 1881, British archaeologist James Bent conducted the first formal dig of the abandoned city, followed by investigations by British journalist Richard Hall in 1902 and British archaeologist David Randall MacIver. 
Sifting through dozens of ruins, researchers uncovered scores of artifacts, including imported objects such as uh, Arab beads and Chinese ceramics, dating to the 14th and 15th centuries A.D. By the 1920s, the consensus among scholars was nearly unanimous. The extensive stone ruins that came to be known as Great Zimbabwe were built by local African tribes, maybe the Shona or the Vinda, beginning about 1100 A.D. The ruins would cover about 200 acres in Zimbabwe, making the site the largest of many stone uh, ruins across Zimbabwe and neighboring Mozambique. In addition to serving as a palace of wor- a place of worship, the Great Zimbabwe was the hub of a prosperous trading empire that flourished centuries before Arab or European settlers dominated commerce in the region. Now, what led to its decline is really a mystery. Maybe famine or drought forced the citizens to move to more hospitable regions. Another theory suggests the depletion of gold in the nearby mines resulted in declining trade and the subsequent abandonment of the complex. There's so many questions of... Um, and much of the uh, historical debate is dominated by those who made a name for themselves. Whether they're right or wrong is irrelevant. Let's talk about the Minoans. 3,500 years ago, the first great European civilization collapsed. They were the Minoans, mysterious inhabitants of the island of Crete in the Mediterranean Sea. Between about 3000 and 1450 BC, the Minoan civilization thrived, controlling a vast maritime trading empire with bustling cities, sumptuous private estates, spectacular palaces, including the labyrinth at uh, uh, Knossos. Minoan artists and craftsmen produced magnificent uh, ornaments made of gold and gems and painted breathtaking frescoes of Earth's natural beauty. And then suddenly, the Minoans were no more. What happened to these Bronze Age people whose sophistication set them apart? Details about Minoan civilization are scant, but questions about who the Minoans were may have recently been answered. <laughs> Excuse me. Study released by geneticist George Stamatoyanopoulos of the University of Washington in Seattle in 2013 revealed that the DNA extracted from the teeth of ancient Minoans indicate the Minoans were of Cretan and Greek origin. According to the study, the ancestors of the the Cretans came from modern-day Turkey and Iraq about 9,000 years ago. Well, there's a lot of other mystery places as well, many of which are considered uh, sacred, such as the Tower of Babel. Now, the people of Babylon built a massive tower so they could touch the heavens. But according to legend, their arrogance angered God, who inflicted an eternal punishment. The story of the Tower of Babel recounted in Genesis uh, chapter 11 of the Bible is probably written about the 6th century B.C., roughly during the time when the Hebrews lived in captivity in Babylon. At that time, Babylon was the most magnificent city on earth. Situated on the Euphrates River in Mesopotamia, the city boasted beautiful and impressive structures, including the Hanging Gardens, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the Hanging Gardens, nobody has a clue where they actually were. They haven't been found. Babylonian builders erected imposing ziggurats, tall, rectangular step towers surmounted by important temples, and the ruins of numerous ziggurats can be seen today. 
The biblical tale of the Tower of Babel was based on the Babylonian ziggurats. The story serves as a biblical explanation for the existence of multiple languages. Before the tower was built, all people spoke one language. When God saw the plan to erect a tower to reach the heavens, he said if uh, as one people speaking the same language they begun to do this, and nothing they plan or to do will be impossible for them. So let's go down and confound their language, that they may not understand each other's speech. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. Ancient Hebrews believed the name of the city was derived from the Hebrew word Bilal, meaning confusion, a reference to the chaos that uh, followed after God caused people to speak different languages. Well, from the Tower of Babel, let's turn to another mysterious structure, one that I've wandered around, Stonehenge. Who built the world's most famous megalithic structure? On the Salisbury Plain in the country, county of Wiltshire in southern England stands Stonehenge. Archaeologists believe uh, several different groups constructed this prehistoric monument at several separate times. Earliest structures in the area are four or five pits that held timber posts erected between 8500 and 7000 B.C., by about 3500 B.C., several long barrels or burial mounds and numerous rectangular earthworks have been built in the vicinity of Stonehenge proper. About 3000 B.C., a circular ditch measuring 360 feet in diameter was built with an inner and outer band. This hinge, as it was called, was encircled by a timber post and had two entrances. Cremations and burials were conducted there and, and about... Um, 2600 B.C., two concentric circles of bluestone pillars were raised at the center of the site. Weighing about four tons each, the stones were carved at a quarry about 190 miles away and, in some fashion we still don't know, transported to Salisbury Plain. About 300 years later, the bluestones were replaced by Saracens, uh, the familiar sandstone pillars and slabs visible to the uh, site today. Stonehenge was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1986. When I was there, it was uh, certainly uh, a mystifying uh, structure. And there were uh, numerous stories about um, New Agers who came to commune with the gods through the use of the, the weed, don't you know? Well, from England, let's go to uh, the land of the Maya in Mexico. We're going to talk about a sprawling temple city in Mexico called Pelinqui, one of the uh, ancient Maya's greatest achievements and the final resting place of a great king. By 250 A.D., Mayan civilization dominated present-day southeast Mexico, all of Guatemala and Belize, and the western regions of Honduras and El Salvador. The Mayan city of Pelinqui was central Mexico was best known for the Temple of Inscriptions. Completed at about 685 A.D., the Temple of Inscriptions is a nine-step pyramid with a small building on top. It's accessible only by climbing a steep 65-foot-high stairway. While investigating the temple in 1949, Mexican archaeologist Alberto Ruiz Lurio found a large stone in the temple floor. He lifted that stone slab to discover a rubble-filled staircase sitting down beneath that uh, small building. When he finally got to the bottom of the stairs, he found a standing triangular-shaped slab of stone and the skeletons of six young people. Moving aside the slab, he entered a large tomb with an enormous sarcophagus, elaborately carved in bas-relief. Inside the, that uh, 
sarcophagus was the skeleton of a man covered by jade ornaments. The question became, who was he? Well, the answer didn't come to the 1970s when the carvings on the lid of the sarcophagus were finally deciphered. The archaeological community was astonished to learn the crypt belonged to the famous Mayan Nilular son, Lord Pakal. During his 69-year reign, he became one of the greatest, uh, Palenque became one of the greatest urban hubs in Mesoamerican. He was uh, literally the Mayan version of um, Ramses. Well, from there, let's go to Delphi and talk about the oracle. You know, citizens of ancient Greece would avail themselves of mystical intermediaries to communicate with the god Apollo. Situated on mainland Greece beneath the cliffs of Mount Parnassus, the uh, city of Delphi held a unique place in ancient Greek culture. Delphi thrived as a Greek center from about the 7th century B.C. to 200 B.C. Among the city's many glorious buildings was the Temple of Apollo, home to the Delphi Oracle. <coughs> Here, a priestess, prophetess called the Pythia answered questions put to her by politicians, military leaders, and even commoners who traveled to Delphi from throughout the land. The Pythia would uh, breathe in uh, hydrocarbon gases from a crack in the ground, fall into a trance, and communicate with the god Apollo. And the words she uttered which were believed to be inspired by the god with incoherent ramblings incomprehensible to the people who sought her prophecies. Male priests at the temple, though, interpreted the Pythia's words, translated them into a common language, and passed them on to the advice seekers. Unsurprisingly, the oracle's prophecies were cryptic, open to interpretation, and certainly had double meanings. With the ruins of Delphi still stand today, and their evidence of the dynamic place the city and temple held in ancient Greece, even uh, Alexander the Great was said to have uh, visited the oracle at Delphi. Well, from Delphi, let's go to France. The Karnak Stones. Karnak, which is located in the northwest corner of France, on the northwest coast, home to remarkable megalithic burial mounds, stone tombs, circular stone enclosures, and Nearly 3,000 standing stones arranged in avenue-like uh, linear fashion. Prehistoric farmers constructed the site at about 4,700 B.C. And if you believe that, i got a bridge I want to sell you. The granite stones, varying in size from 1 foot in height to 21 feet, and each weighing up to several hundred tons, are arranged in the neat parallel rows called alignments. The Camario alignment consists of 1,029 stones in 10 columns, spanning a Length of 4,300 feet. And of course, prehistoric farmers did this during their leisure time. Sad also features numerous dolmens and tombs made of two more standing stones topped by a large horizontal slab. Spectacular Krukuno dolmen is 13 feet by 11 feet rectangular chamber made with uh, nine support stones and a horizontal capstone measuring 25 feet long and weighing more than 40 tons. The exact purpose of the site, especially the alignments, is unclear. Recent scholarship contends the alignments probably point to important or sacred sites, such as the enclosures. In addition, the alignments and mounds may also have served uh, an astronomical function, maybe acting as calendars or used to track the movement of heavenly bodies. 
Some researchers believe Karnak served as a large lunar observatory. But when in doubt, it's a lunar observatory. Well, from France, let's go back to Egypt and talk about the Great Pyramids. You know, there are three spectacular pyramids perched on top of the plateau of Giza on the west bank of the Nile, and they symbolize the glory of ancient Egypt and its mysterious past. Rising from the arid desert sands, the pyramids of Giza are tombs built to serve as the final resting place for the great kings of Egypt. The uh, northernmost pyramid was built for Khufu, or Cheops, as he was called in Greek. Called the Great Pyramid, it's the oldest and largest pyramid of the group and the only survivor of the southern wonders of the ancient world. Of course, there's also um, stories that no one was ever buried there. It was used for another purpose entirely. Each of the four sides of its base averaged 755 feet in length, and its original height was 481 feet. The Middle Pyramid, the second to be constructed, was built for Khafre, measured 705 feet along each side, and Originally stood 471 feet tall. So the most pyramid was built for Menkari. measures 356 feet at the base and uh, 218 feet in height. Each pyramid was originally encased in glistening white limestone. The Great Pyramid uh, and a gold-plated capstone as well. All long since stolen by thieves and plunderers. The Great Pyramid, built around uh, 2650 B.C., one of the world's most astonishing man-made structures. More than two million blocks of limestone, each weighing more than two tons, were quarried, cut, transported, and assembled to create the enormous structure. Inside the pyramid uh, contains three large chambers connected by corridors and passageways. Sarcophagus alleged to be that a Khufu was located in the king's chamber. And because the king's remains never been found, it's uncertain if anybody was ever buried in a sarcophagus at all. The Grand Gallery, a 152-foot-long, 29-foot-high passageway, is another main feature of the Great Pyramid. Despite all we know about the Great Pyramid, there's a lot of questions we still don't have answers to. How did the Egyptians manage such a complex engineering project? How were the massive stones lifted and emplaced? And what was the purpose of the Great Pyramid? Without evidence, Khufu was buried there. Can we be certain the pyramid was actually constructed as a tomb? We can't. The interior walls of the pyramid are completely bare of decorations or markings of any kind. If a tomb, we'd expect the great king's name to appear prominently. But if not a tomb, then what was it? Some claim the pyramid was a celestial observatory. That's the fallback position when you don't know the answer. Or a structure built by ancient aliens. Countless theories have made their way into popular culture, spawning documentaries, films, and novels about the power and mysticism of these great structures. Modern technology may yet help answer the riddles of the Great Pyramid, but maybe the most enigmatic aspect of this incredible structure is that it continues to mystify nearly 5,000 years after it was built. Still a lot of questions we don't have answers to. Hell, there's things we don't even have questions about because we don't know enough to ask questions. Well, from the pyramids, let's turn to Karnak and Luxor two of ancient Egypt's grandest and most ambitious building projects. The Temple of Karnak, also called the Temple of Amun, is located on the east bank of the Nile River at, uh, at Thebes. The temple honors Amun and other Egyptian gods. Construction on the sanctuaries and halls and pylons or gateways, courtyards and man-made lacrum that made up the entire temple complex began about 1970 B.C. 
The site was built gradually with additions and renovations continuing for many centuries through the Ptolemaic dynasty of the Greeks. Considered one of Egypt's most sacred places, the complex is one of the world's largest religious sites. Today, the ruins span over 200 acres. The um, most imposing building at Karnak was a massive hypostyle hall covering 57,000 square feet. Its roof, which has since fallen in, was supported by 134 stone columns, 72 feet tall and 11 feet in diameter. The hall was built by Seti I, who reigned uh, from 1290 to 1279 B.C. Additions were made by his successor, Ramses II. After Rome seized control of Egypt in 30 B.C., fewer people visited the site, and by the 4th century A.D. it was abandoned. Located about uh, one and a half miles south of Karnak is Luxor Temple. Built by a series of Egyptian pharaohs during the 14th century B.C., Luxor is not dedicated to a specific god or host of gods, but rather to the physical and spiritual renewal and rejuvenation of kings. Visitors uh, entered the complex through a massive pylon featuring uh, two towers, measuring 78 feet high and 210 feet wide. The uh, towers are carved with a scene depicting Ramses II at the Battle of Kadesh against the Hittites. Two huge seated statues of the Great Pharaoh guard the enormous gateway. A structure called the Great Hall of uh, the Great Court of Ramses II is uh, 188 feet long and 168 feet wide. 74 columns once supported its roof, and numerous standing statues of Ramses II occupy a portion of the space. A straight avenue lined with a, uh, approximately uh, 1,350 human-headed sphinxes once uh, connected to temples of Karnak and Luxor. Six shrines used during festival processions were also set up on the roadway, which was restored in 2010. Today, of course, both have become popular tourist attractions. Well, on those note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk about more of the world's greatest mysteries. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.